The American Truck Driver Podcast, Episode 2. Hey everybody, welcome to the American Truck Driver Podcast. I'm Chris and I'm an American Truck Driver. Uh, My website is www.anamericantruckdriver.com. You can find me on social media at facebook.com slash anamericantruckdriver. Um, And my email address is anamericantruckdriver at gmail.com. I have uh, also this uh, phone line I've set up uh, where you can either text or uh, call and leave a message. It's uh, 413-24-TRUCK. That's 413-248-7825. I've decided to title this episode Brainless Rhetoric. Um, A friend of mine on Facebook uh, put up a post the other day that was having some fun with Bernie Sanders, the uh, guy, the Democrat from the Northeast that's running for president. And uh, my friend and I, neither one really hold a a political affiliation. Uh, We just generally make fun of all the candidates. So he was having a little fun with Bernie Sanders, and it was this uh, picture of a hipster. sitting holding a Starbucks copy, uh, coffee and an iPad. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of making fun of the fact that a lot of these young kids are, are big fans of Bernie Sanders. So down in the comment section, the uh, someone made the comment and said, well, you know, uh, if you want to take down Bernie or you don't like him, there's no use using brainless rhetoric, uh, to which we both responded, well, brainless rhetoric has worked pretty well over the years for uh, about the last 10 presidents. Uh, But I I took it a step further, and I said, you know, brainless rhetoric um, extends beyond politics. Um, As a matter of fact, in the trucking industry, most people's business plan at the foundation of it is brainless rhetoric. Um, I have I have been shocked in in the last five years uh, since I got into being an owner operator and and learning uh, this side of the business um, at the amount of people who don't have the even slightest understanding of basic economics but then they're going to go buy a truck and a trailer or lease on somewhere and uh, start demanding five dollars a mile well how does that make you any different than the burger flipper that's demanding fifteen dollars an hour because the truth of the matter is uh, you're not any different um you know i, I i've been um uh, I've, I've been crunching numbers in this business for five years now, and uh, something that came ringing back to me was about 15 years ago when I was leased to this guy, or I was driving for a guy that was leased to U.S. Express. He had like 65 trucks, and I asked him one day, I said, man, how do y'all do it? I mean, you know, U.S. Express is paying 85 cents a mile, and we're, you know, running three or 4,000 miles a week and you're paying us and you're paying for these trucks and you're buying the fuel and he looked at me and he and he said son what you have to understand is that profits in this business are measured in pennies and not dollars 
well now I completely understand what he what he was saying then because two or three pennies on a hundred thousand miles is is significant it's two or three thousand dollars um you know ten cents fifteen cents um just adjusting how you drive uh i stopped using cruise control about probably 18 months ago and it made a huge difference in my fuel mileage um just cutting a cruise off uh now i let the truck slow down sometimes i may drop five or six miles an hour on a on an incline where you didn't even realize there was an incline uh but it hasn't hurt my time at all uh i've never uh, not delivered a load because i i averaged 50 miles an hour instead of 55 or 60 um but i've i've taken a lot more money home and this is this is the thing that that i think this industry desperately needs um we need to we need to understand basic economics and we need to understand the basic economics of the industry that we're in there's so much bad information uh, brainless rhetoric things that people just keep repeating over and over and over again that just aren't true um, let me give you an example now right now as I record this in August of 2015 setting at the Petro in Carlisle Pennsylvania I run for a dedicated direct customer um, I don't haul anybody else's freight but theirs um, I work four or five days a week and I'm home on the weekends and we have a dedicated uh, rate and uh, you know we get stop paying unloading pay and fuel surcharge and and all this stuff and it's it's a real good rate it works out to, to be just a little north of two dollars a mile to the truck for all miles um, but the the right now in august of 2015 the market is kind of weak and it's struggling a little bit and uh you know I, I see it on the landstar board if i'm just looking around at, at general freight the, the things that i see on the board are kind of scary because the the rates that i was seeing last year when i was running uh the board or you could call it landstar's version of the spot market um you know, I, I was seeing lots of 250s and 275s and $3 and 325s. Now I'm seeing a lot of $1.75 to 2 and two and two two and a quarter. Now, of course, we have to understand that our fuel is real, real close to half of what it was last year. My fuel cost right now is, is right in the $0.35 cents a mile range. Um, in the early part of last year, it was, it was creeping up toward $0.55 and $0.60. Cents. So, uh, fuel is a is a lot cheaper than it was last year, and we have to consider that when we're looking at the rates. You know, two dollars a mile last year in the middle of May, and two dollars a mile now is a huge difference because you're making twenty five or thirty cents on on the fuel essentially. But I've watched. I'm a, I'm in these Facebook trucker groups of, of different sorts and there's owner operators and people that have their own authority and um, a, a, a pretty good cross-section and um, man the whining and the complaining is 
is at an all-time high because, you know, last year, uh, even up through about October, uh, man, freight was booming and rates were hot and everybody was happy and loving life. And then whatever the correlation is, fuel started to, to come down and things started to cool off and we never really got that pop that we usually get in the first part of um of the year you know it's january and february and and march and and it and it kind of hopped up there for a little while and then all of a sudden it just it's like the bottom dropped out of the market well now the rates have dropped um and I have watched these people whine and complain and and just go on about how terrible the brokers are and the brokers, brokers, brokers. Oh, the brokers are awful. They're terrible. Well, the brokers are. They have a job to do just like we do. All right. Now I'm I'm not going to sit here and defend some, uh, you know, a hole broker that did somebody wrong. Um, but just because they put a rate up that you don't deem necessary, you know, that you don't deem satisfactory. But doesn't mean they're going to burn in hell for all of eternity. They're putting a rate up and see if somebody will take it. That you have to call and negotiate. Now I want you to imagine here. I you know because I'm sitting here. I don't I don't have to worry about the spot market. I don't have to worry about what's paying where because I I'm running for a dedicated contract customer. But um, but you know they don't run wide open all year long. You know they they're the the product that they manufacture uh doesn't have there's not much use for a construction product from say november to about march and so you know they they roll the streets up and and go home you know there's very little activity um from say thanksgiving to probably almost april now imagine if i went to the parking lot of my dedicated contract customer and I stood out there and threw a hissy fit and stomped my feet and shook my fist and said, you know, that I was upset and angry that they weren't loading trailers and that they weren't paying me enough for the trailers they're not loading. Well, I'd look like an idiot. Their market is down. The, the market, the people that uh, buy their product, uh, don't need their product at that time of year. And so they don't... They don't manufacture a bunch of products uh, that people don't need. Um, and we've got to understand and realize and remember that this is, this is the most dynamic, uh, fluctuating business in the world. It's up and it's down, and it's up and it's down. And it's all based on consumer demand. If, if the consumers aren't buying, we're not hauling, period. It doesn't matter if we're hauling the... You know the capital goods uh, th- that are on the on the front end of the production process, or we're hauling the retail stuff into the store to be uh, to be bought by the consumer. When people are not buying things, we're not shipping things. Now, look, it, I know there's all the uh, you know it's been seven years or eight years, whatever, since the crash and. You know, there's all these people saying, oh, September 2015, everything's... Look, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody has a clue what's going to happen tomorrow. But what we do know is that today is the day that we have to make decisions. 
I can't I can't worry about tomorrow. I can be thoughtful about tomorrow. I can think about tomorrow. I can do my best to prepare for tomorrow, but today is the day I have to make the decisions. Um I have I have often said that one of the most important things that happened to me in this process of moving from a company driver to an owner-operator was that I came to understand that the axis of the universe does not run through the top of my precious little head. Um, and hey, I was guilty. I mean, I, I, was, I, I, I had that complex, well, I'm a truck driver in this world, don't go without me, and truckers are the backbone of America, blah, blah, blah. Look, we, we perform an important service uh, to the economy, yes. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we get to be jerks about it, okay? We have to share the highways. We have to share the parking lots. We have to, we have to share the freight, you know? Um, and, and I'm just done with this demonization of people, be it brokers or carriers or uh, whoever, truck stop operators, whoever it may be, um, that doesn't make me any money. Uh, complaining about people doesn't make me any money. Um, now, there's people you can bet that I don't do business with. Um, th- there, there are people that I avoid. Um, but, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know, I, 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 I have decided to learn the lesson the first time. You have to think about, okay, think about this. You know, if you're a company driver, owner, operator, you've been in this business any amount of time, you know that the big box carriers, Schneider, Swift, JB, US, Werner, they haul a lot of freight. And the, the truth of the matter is they haul a lot of freight that I'm not going to haul. That's just a fact. Now, you can... You can delude yourself and pretend like, well, if Schneider and Swift and JB and Werner and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if they were all just caught up in a cloud and and all disappeared, that all that cheap junk freight, that 500 tons of toilet paper that that they're hauling is all of a sudden going to start paying $2 a mile and the owner operator is going to go get it. Well... Number one, that's not going to happen. Um, and even if it did, that freight is not worth much money. It just isn't. You bump a dock, they load you up. You go down the road, you bump a dock, they unload you again. The more specialized you are, the more you're worth. So the more it takes, I used to haul blanket wrap, pad wrap stuff, that had to be cared for. It had to be wrapped up. It had to be, you know, you had to be gentle with it. You you had to make sure that that it made it from point A to point B without being scratched or damaged. Well, that was a premium. We got paid extra because there was more involved in doing it. Any fool can go pull a 40,000-pound load of toilet paper. There's nothing special about that. If you can turn a steering wheel and, and shift gears, 
you can do that. That's It's entry-level stuff. It's the same thing. I mean, think about it. You go to McDonald's with an expectation of quality, of service, which we all know that's a minefield, and price, right? You're going to go to McDonald's and you're going to pay five or six bucks for the combo. Well, you're not going to go to Outback Steakhouse or Longhorn Steakhouse with the same expectations of quality, service, and price. You're getting more for your money at the steakhouse than you are at the McDonald's. And and even further, to go to the, the five-star restaurant with the you know, the, the famous chef uh, whose, whose dishes are world-renowned, well, you're not going to go in there and ask him for a Big Mac for six bucks. Six bucks, you're not going to get probably a cup of coffee from him for six bucks. You know, you're going to shell out two or three hundred dollars for what he has. To pretend that the trucking industry doesn't have the same dynamics is foolish. We have junk freight that sucks. Uh, or it's not junk freight and it doesn't suck, but there's so much of it. I mean, I read an interesting article. I need to dig that up and stick it in the show notes. But it was uh, talking about toilet paper and how it's relatively new to society. That, um, you know, I remember being a kid like back in the 80s and you had, I think it was Charmin that had the little bear. Uh, But toilet paper was taboo. You didn't talk about it. Um, And, you know, go find somebody with some gray hair and ask them how they wiped their rump back in the days before Charmin and Cottonelle. Um, This is a relatively new thing, but it has become a staple and necessity of society. And so there are probably hundreds of thousands of tons of toilet paper that are moved up and down the road every day. With that much volume, you're not going to get a big rate for that. That's just basic economics. That's basic supply and demand. That's... That's fundamental. But you take a you know, a load of some precious quantity of something that's that either doesn't get moved much, uh, or is rare or or dangerous, you know, hazmat, you know, if it's hazmat goods or, or household goods, um those things pay more. So when someone just up and demands, well, freight rates should pay X. They should pay $2 a mile, $5 a mile, $10 a mile. Well, then what do you do with the stuff that's cheap? And, and then what do you do with the stuff that's really expensive? Because do, do you bring all the great rates down to that so you can bring all the bad rates up to the other? No, you don't. Because things are different. Things are, 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 are different on a, on a level of scarcity and necessity. Uh, and they have a greater or lesser value in the marketplace. So the moral of this story is stop repeating things just because they sound good. Okay, We should learn this lesson with social media. I mean, the things that roll through your, the, through your Facebook feed... Uh, that are just absolute garbage and completely made up 
is astounding. And the fact that people don't at least stop and say, well, that's interesting. I wonder if it's true. Uh, because I see lots of interesting things in my Facebook feed every day. Uh, sadly, I've come to find that most of it's not true. Um, so it's time to have a conversation in the trucking industry about real basic economics. Stop trashing brokers just because. Stop trashing X carrier just because. Um, these these people are out making a living, uh, doing what they can to operate in one of the most in com- uh, competitive environments on the planet. The, the competition in this business from carrier to carrier, uh, business to business, um, it is, is, is amazing. It is, it's fascinating. If you'll step back a second and look at it, it's really fascinating um, to see what we do in this business on a daily basis. Um, but I can tell you this from experience. It's a lot easier to see those things when you're not standing around stomping your feet being a jerk. It's a lot easier to see those things when you're asking questions instead of making statements. Well, how does that work? I wonder if that's true. You know, when you when you sit down at the truck stop countertop next to Billy Big Rigger and he starts telling you, you know, all of all of his vast conquests, you pretty much know within a couple of minutes of talking to him whether he's full of crap or not. It's basic instinct. So as you were thinking about the things that you believe about this industry to be true, ask yourself the question, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I am basing all of my positions on things that other people have told me and what they told me was wrong. Um, I've learned so much about this business in a very, very short period of time. And there's still things that I look at around me and say, I can't even imagine how that works. I, and it, But you know how you find out. You walk up to somebody and you say, hey, how's that work? Uh, and hopefully you're, you know, you're not getting the idiot that's just making it up as they go along. Because uh, I've run into a few of those. Attitude is everything. Um, and probably outside of, of the uh, the real need for, you know, some, some basic economic education is we've got to get courtesy back in this business. Um, you know, we can, we can talk to we're blue in the face about safety. Um, and, and, and we can... Uh, um, we can make uh, all these uh, platitudes about safety. Oh, we're, we're safe because, and we do this, and we train our drivers. And really, uh, most of that stuff is worthless and meaningless because if you're not courteous on the road, you're more likely to have a wreck. And, and you know, when I started in this business years ago, we didn't have iPhones and iPads and 
you know, satellite radio and all this stuff to keep us entertained. We just had a CB radio. And so when I, as a rookie, did something stupid, somebody was there to tell me about it. Hey, man, you don't do that. That's, that's rude. That's inconsiderate. Um, and now most of that's gone out the window because we have become just like the four-wheelers that we have always hated. Um, you know, the, I, I look in my mirror and I've got, you know, I'm in the right lane and I'm rolling along and, oh, I see an obstruction or a slow vehicle or something and I hit that left turn signal. Guys, I'm telling you, if I see a big truck in my left mirror, I'm pretty much guaranteed that they're not going to let me over. They're not going to roll out of the throttle and give me the space to make a maneuver to help me be safer. But a lot of times a four-wheeler will. I have I have literally seen in the last few years four-wheelers showing me more courtesy and respect as a driver than big trucks do. So in amongst all the list of, of industry problems we've got to deal with, driver shortage uh, is somewhere down around number 500. Um, but up near the top, economic education, courtesy, respect, humility. We desperately need some humility in this business uh, because there are a bunch of people out here that call themselves safety advocates, and they are coming after us. They are, they are fascist sociopaths that don't care anything about safety. But, you know, if you think an ambulance chasing lawyers bad, wait till the Truck Safety Coalition and Road Safe America get their way. It's bad news, and the only thing only chance we have of stopping them is to make changes as individuals uh, it's, it's, it's not going to happen collectively you're not going to get a bunch of laws passed that's going to force everybody to behave it's going to come down to individual drivers individual men and women making decisions hey i'm gonna i'm not going to tailgate this four-wheeler i'm going to back out of throttle i'm not going to run 75 miles an hour in the fog I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna run wide open in the in the snow and the rain just so I can, you know, talk about what a great driver I am as they're scraping you up off the highway with a shovel. So this was kind of all over the place, but you know, in this second episode, I kind of wanted to make an impact. In episode one, I basically told you who I was and how I got here. Episode two, I wanted to be a little more, you know, hey, let's let's. Uh, Let's talk about some important stuff. So uh, send me questions and comments. Call the, uh, call the phone number, uh, 413-24-TRUCK. And let me just check because, yeah. See I, see, I had to check because I've only said that number like three times, so I had to make sure. Uh, you can call or text 413-24-TRUCK, 413 www.anamericantruckdriver.com facebook.com slash anamericantruckdriver hit me up tell me what you think of the show tell me if you hate it tell me if you like it well if you hate it just shut up I don't want to hear that uh, but uh, let me know what you think if there's topics you would want me to cover or questions you want me to to answer um, send them on and let's do this see you next time